Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers. I am your host, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Corwin Heller. And we're doing more stat cast shit. So yep. get ready for that. Yep, sorry for missing you guys last week, but I need the money. So I chose to work instead of spending time with Josh, which is uh, something I should do more often because, you know, rewards and everything it's it's kind of nice you can uh you can feel very free to lick my balls i will um which i'm sure our last podcast host actually did oh dude <laughs> that's oh no that's not good <laughs> sorry i did listen to the episode and i listened to i haven't finished it yet i listened to the first half an hour um and i've i already think that kills a better host than i am so <laughs> sorry guys um i will say i have three issues what are your issues? One, you and Kel clearly are way too into each other because she does not call you out on your bullshit. There was um, no bullshit administered. Zero you complained. This leads me directly into my second complaint about how you complained that a girl with cancer likes the St. Louis Blues too much for her age. No, no, no. You missed the point. My point was I don't like like the media use of the word. Like I said, she didn't do nothing wrong. She was just a girl who loves hockey. I right. respect the hell out of that. It was, but you're it was, saying it that was the even, use of this one word. But it's the fact that you think that people who don't have full-time jobs and responsibilities can't be super fans? There, all right, now you're being reductionist, but I see your point. Like, all right, this bitch, that's how I'm going to refer to her now because I'm way deep into this. This bitch has cancer. Got nothing to do all day other than sit around, watch hockey, and have cancer. Obviously, she's going to watch a shit ton of hockey. She's going to know all the ins and outs. She's going to know exactly what kind of haircut Patrick Maroon gets or the size of his left shoe compared to his right and all the little nitty-gritty details that I used to know when I had nothing to do with my time or life. So I would still refer to that as a super fan. We disagree. Yeah, all right, whatever. Um, and then number three was about, like, kids shouldn't be allowed to like the Golden State Warriors if they're not from the West Coast. Again, I think you're being a bit reductionist with what so, my point was But, like, there. what you were saying is, like, oh, like, parents who allow their kids to watch the Golden State Warriors and be fans of them, like, don't love them because they don't drive <laughs> them to New York to watch basketball games? You can go to Philly, go to whatever state you're, you're, you're I'm in. I'm just saying, like, you know this as well as I do, like, fucking gone. Um, it's expensive to take little kids to, like, sporting events because, Basketball know, is cheap. Unless it's, it's the Knicks. The Knicks are expensive year-round for no reason. They're a terrible team. Still, like, regardless, like, when you and I started growing up, you were drawn to the Yankees. One, because the family ties, and also because the Yankees are really fucking good and really fun to watch, and it's easy to get into a sport when you're watching good teams. No, I know. I know. So, like, when kids are fans of the Golden State Warriors, it's like, you know what? They have a love for a sport that, Maybe I don't share with them, but they're building up a love for a game, and that should be fine. We should encourage kids to want to watch basketball, even if it is just the best team that's the easiest to watch and most fun to watch. You know, no, my point isn't that the kids were wrong. Again, it's that the parents were wrong. <laughs> the parents were wrong for letting their kids watch good basketball. 
the parents are wrong for not embracing their kid's hobby outside of opening their wallet just for jerseys and hats. Open your wallet for tickets to the events, and that's because going to the games for your local team is what typically fosters, and or having a, an affiliation from your parents fosters an actual fandom. Like I don't disagree. And if you're not with doing that, then the chances are your kids is just watching highlights and um, primetime games, which is going to be the best teams. And that's what I'm saying. Is I'm saying that if your kid's a Golden State Warriors fan, it's probably as a result of them wanting to be involved in basketball, which is great, I guess. <laughs> and that's the what they're going to be exposed the most to. They're going to be exposed to the top-seeded teams, the best teams. Right, but I don't think but we the, should take away from the fact that, you know, some parents still love their kids and want them to love basketball to, you know, the greatest extent that they can. And the Nets fucking suck. The Nets so, are good this year. They oh, were, come on. They made the playoffs. But they're not good. They had D-Lo, and that's pretty much it. They made the playoffs. Yeah, but everybody makes the playoffs in basketball. Knicks didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> well, the Knicks, Knicks were exceptionally bad this year. Yeah, they won, what, like 12 games? No, nah, they years. won like three and a half. Oh, Jesus. The Knicks are bad. Regardless, yeah, All right. we both have different strategies for raising kids. And honestly, we're probably both wrong. No, I'm gonna be right. I've worked with kids for like ten years. I know how to handle so them. So my motherfucker doesn't no, even have, know how to you raise have them. Not. What are you talking about? You wait, what job do you have that you work with kids? Not currently. I go yeah. to Penn State. I'm not allowed near kids. Yeah, that's a good point. Are you ready to get into today's topic? Yeah, I'm, might as well. All right. I just missed arguing with you. Yeah, I know. It's been too long. Has it though? Yeah, <laughs> probably. Okay. Um. So. What did I just do? Oh, yeah. I, I I wanted to look at a few different things because, honestly, I made this topic up. I, well, I guess that makes sense since I make up all the topics. Uh, so I, I, I really just, this is uh, uh, an amalgamation nice of just word. sheer nonsense and things that I was wondering about. These usually are the best episodes. Yeah, and the topics don't pertain to each other at all. Perfect. Yeah, so let's just, let's just dive on in. So the first thing I wanted to look at was barrels because I feel like that's a... Uh, 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 you know what's the word I'm looking for? It's a it's a talking point. What kind of barrels? Wine barrels? Whiskey barrels? You ain't cute. I know. You know it's one of those it's one of those words you hear all the time in like baseball analytics now is barrels, barrels, barrels. Um, which is the it's the sweet spot of launch angle and exit velocity that like most often leads to um at least an extra base hit at most a home run. Not specifically the section on the bat called the barrel. Uh, well, that's where you'd have to hit it to get that um, so type of reaction. So from. it's that added on to perfect velocity That's how and it got angle. the name is what I'm going to assume. Gotcha. I'm going to assume that since... Because like, you can't hit a ball um, well enough on like the cone of the bat to mm -hmm. get a barrel. Like You just can't. Right. Because there's just you know this it it's it's not a strong part of the bat it's not the part, strong part of your swing like there's just all everything is wrong with it mm -hmm. so I'd assume that because you do have to hit the barrel of the hit with I should say the barrel of the bat to obtain a barrel is like that's how it how it's spread more so I feel, feel you feel me yeah I feel you so I want to look at it from a pitcher's perspective and a hitter's perspective because what I was wondering was and I feel pretty safe to um assume that I'm right about this. As is, you always do, you know. Oh, this one is like <laughs> really like you should get this one right. Is that as um, barrels go up by team, I looked at this as, at a team level, as barrels go up, 
Um, how does slugging percent go, and how do home runs go? Okay. Which again, that's what I'm saying. Like this should be, this 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 felt very straightforward. That would be a yes. As barrels increase, so will slugging and home runs. And for the most part, I'd say that yeah, I'm, uh, pretty much on the fucking nose. Um. So as a uh, so the way that baseball savant does it is that they show you the total number number of barrels a team has had. Uh, they also have the total number of pitches a team has faced, and then they show you a percent of the pitches that were taken for uh, barreled hits. So the team with the most barrels uh, will be a very unsurprising list of, of teams for most hard-hit, well-hit balls. Is it the Yankees? Uh, they are number seven on this list. Okay. Or number six. Um, it's Minnesota. Who has been hitting the ever-loving shit out of the ball this year? Atlanta makes sense. Yep, makes Boston, sense. Boston, Seattle, okay. Tampa Bay, and the Yankees. I'm actually surprised that um, Seattle is still that high. Yeah, well, I think it's because Seattle loses most of their games, but they actually do score a lot of runs. Um, it just so happened that, like in the beginning of the season, they were winning games like ten to one. And right. now they're losing games like nine to fifteen. Right, like they're just bad. But they their do fielding s- is awful. I I'm honestly astonished by it. It's amazing how a team of professionals can be that bad at defense. Yeah, that's it's like a that team of Clint Frazier, <sighs> who's just been sent down by the Yanks. Is that a trade move? I guess this will actually be kind of old hat by the time this episode comes out. We're recording this on Monday the seventeenth. I genuinely don't know. I think if I was the GM of the Yankees with only the knowledge I have right now and none of the knowledge Brian Cashman has, I would say no. Okay. Unless, like, you get someone crazy, crazy good starting pitcher with, like, several, at least two years of control. So, like, you wouldn't, like, okay. I wouldn't trade Clint Frazier for Madison Bumgarner for shit. Like that's that would be an awful trade in my mind because okay. you only get Bumgarner for the remainder of this season. Right. Not that he would even agree to come here. But uh, I think he would. He listed the Yankees on his no trade clause. I think it's something that. Let's start this sentence over because I clearly dove off a cliff. Um, I think that's something where the Yankees could definitely negotiate that with him. I feel like his absolute denial of the Yankees is more negotiating than it is him hating the Yankees to that extent. Well, he listed pretty much every team that would be in contention this season, so I think his r- rationale was, I'm going to put down all of the teams that would realistically want to trade for me right? so that I cannot be traded because the Detroit Tigers are not going to trade for him because mm-hmm. they're bad and they have no reason. But regardless, I don't... Th- I, uh, I think they want him to be their long-term solution at left... The only thing that could change that, though, is... Let me let me start this over again. I don't know how it works between him and Estevan Floreal. The Yankees, like, number one hitting prospect. Is he back from injury yet? I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't checked up on him in a while. I'll look while. up while you go on. Okay. Because if you think about the Yankees' outfield, they have Judge, who is still on his rookie deal, but they will certainly be giving an extension to. Aaron Hicks, who just signed a seven-year contract this season. Not that like they have to have him for all seven years, but he would be on the books for seven years if they chose to keep him there. And they have Giancarlo Stan for another 
eight years, I think, nine years if he doesn't if he doesn't opt out anywhere in between. Right. And so one of Estevan Floreal or Clint Frazier would be the fourth outfielder, just by sheer talent of the dudes above them. Possibly with Aaron Hicks moving to the fourth outfield role if he really declines that much. Mm-hmm. But all five of them, I don't think they would keep. I think someone goes. And I'm just not sure that they're ready to move on either one of them this season to see if, like, um, if Esteban Florial is ready for the majors next season or if uh, Giancarlo Stan opts out at some point or if Hicks gets bad. Like, I think they would want to wait. Right. I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, so Esteban Florial came back uh, seven days ago now um, and has been coming back with some pretty good numbers. Um, so we'll see. But again, I mean, I don't think the Yankees would really looking at this long term and not solely for the next year or two. I don't think they could think about moving Frazier, uh, for anyone but another young player until they see Floreal in the majors. Um, just there's no reason for them to want to get rid of the depth that they can easily afford to maintain like there's no reason for the Yankees to really rush to sell their farm to put it all in this year just because they're already tops in the majors or right there I mean I think they have like the third or fourth best record I want to say fourth yeah I think they were tied with fourth yesterday with the Rays actually Um, but regardless it's I don't think they will move him unless it's for a like ace level pitcher and i don't think that is a deal that could get done no uh so i looked at just to bring it back to our topic i looked at the slugging percents and then the ops plus of each of these uh uh, of all these these teams as well um i I put one of these teams ops plus in here wrong because texas certainly does not have a nine ops plus as a team i'm sure that they're better than that yeah clearly they just mixed up the orioles and the rangers um uh, you're gonna, the Orioles made me laugh. The Orioles, so because I did this as hitting and pitching, um, you know, it was the same stat, just with you know different sides of the different sides, and I, I would use the Orioles to figure out which end of this I was on. Because <laughs> <laughs> if they had a really high number of barrels, I knew it was the pitching, and if yeah. they had a really low number of barrels, <laughs> then I knew it was the hitting. That's fantastic. Yeah, it worked out really well for me. <laughs> the Orioles being benchmark for like the lowest possible end of the spectrum is fantastic. I just want to get Texas's uh, slugging percent, or OPS plus right real quick, because I feel bad it only says 9. That's not true. It's 99, which is probably why I fucked it up. So I was reading Moneyball the other day, and I never realized that the person who came up with OPS and like started using it as like an actual real-life stat was um, Paul DePodesta. Of the A's, yeah, that's wild. That's pr- like that's cool seeing like guys in positions like he is coming up with these kind of analytics. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty much seeing all the guys who trailblazed uh, current baseball's use of say metrics still being in the game doing some shit, you know. That's awesome. Um, but so yeah, the Minnesota Twins who lead the league in barrels have a five fifteen slug percenting slugging percent with a one twenty six OPS plus as a team, which is fucking crazy. Uh, Atlanta has a 459 slugging percent with a 104 OPS plus. Boston a 450 slugging percent with a 107 OPS plus. Seattle 
451 slugging percent with a 110 OPS plus. Tampa Bay, 439 slug percent with 107 OPS plus. And the Yankees with a 448 slug percent with a 107 OPS plus. Um, so the, uh, yeah, the, the team with the highest percent of pitches that were taken for barreled hits is um, Minnesota, Atlanta, Boston, Tampa, and New York. Um, Same order. Three, uh, Seattle dropped out of the list. That was about it. Oh, who who moved up then? Um, Tampa and New York. Oh, okay. My bad. Yeah, no. Um, Minnesota being at the top with a 1.97% of pitches seen being hit for uh, being barreled shots. So it really, we're talking very small numbers here. Right. Um, but it goes to show that having 1.97% of these pitches as compared to the bottom team, which is Miami with, well, actually that's pretty big, 0.99%. Holy shit. Yeah, their um, team slugging percent is 0.348 slugging. Oh, my God. 78 OPS plus. Fuck. Yeah, it's fucking bad. Uh, Put me in single A and I might be able to hit that. Pittsburgh and Baltimore are then tied for the uh, next lowest with 1.01%. Um, although Pittsburgh's OPS Plus is 93, which isn't awful. So I have an idea for a future topic. I know you asked me to think of football ones, but here's a baseball one because fuck it. Um, I want us to break down how we think we could fix the Pirates. Actually, they'd be a good series. Yeah, I would love to do that. What was the other series we were talking about doing? Oh, draft breakdowns. Yeah, we do need to get back on that. Yeah, um... But yeah, I'm going to write that down because we always need to write these things down. That's a good one. I made a little graph. As you can see, it's uh, pretty fucking obvious that as <laughs> your percent of pitches that are hit for barrels goes up, your OPS plus also goes up. It is the easily the most obvious trend we've seen in any graph I put together in the show. I'm assuming that's Minnesota all up there by themselves. Yeah, that's yeah, wild. Yeah, yeah it really, really shows how far and away uh, the, the best they are at this. So now to look at this in terms of pitching. So it's the same. It's so funny because I didn't think about it until I did it. It's the same number of barrels. Yeah. You know, it's the exact. It's just the distribution, you know. Of course, yeah. So now instead of being distributed by what teams hit the most, it's now going to be distributed by what teams fuck up the most pitching-wise. when you set this up, did you, like, have a tally of how many total barrels there were when you did all the hitting? And then did you go back and do the same thing for pitching? Of course I did. just were awestruck by the fact that those numbers were the same. I wasn't awestruck. I was just disappointed in myself. Yeah, okay. All right. There's really only two ways that could have gone. So, Corwin. Yes. What team do you think has given up the most barreled balls this season? Well, if we're going to strike out outliers, um, honestly, I would probably say... uh, I, I would say the Pirates are probably second lowest, but... I'm a, I Pittsburgh's know. actually very middle of the pack here. Really, very middle of the pack. Okay, how? When? Uh, when were these numbers from? This is from today. Okay, all right. So I guess we weren't we were doing much better because the past couple days have been real brutal for the Bucks. But Baltimore's obviously yeah, very it's Baltimore. It's it's list. so yeah. far and away Baltimore. It's it's yeah. Uh, second is Seattle. So Baltimore has given up 193. Uh, barrel balls. Seattle is second. They've given up 186. Then Detroit at 174, and a tie between Colorado and Philadelphia at 161. Oh, and Toronto also tied at 161. Um, I'm Toronto's up there. 
I'm most surprised, I think, by Philly and Colorado. They are the only two teams I just read that have winning records I'm and are both in wildcard races. Because they play in Coors Fields. Phillies, I am surprised about, but I. Like I knew they were getting shellacked this year. I didn't realize how badly they were. Yeah, it's been it's been rough. Um, as a percent of total pitches, um, it's pretty much the exact same teams: uh, Baltimore, Detroit, Seattle, Cleveland. Now enters enters this list, Oof. as well as um, Philly, Colorado, and Toronto. Um, the number of home runs given up. It's uh, it's, it's Baltimore. It, uh, and it it really doesn't change too much, but there is a little bit of movement here. It's still Baltimore. It's still Seattle. Then it's How? the Angels, the Phillies, okay. the White Sox, the Tigers, the I'm just going to keep going because it, it, it's an interesting top ten. The Padres, the Astros, the Yankees, and then the Rangers and the Blue Jays. What? Yeah. So it seems one of what I'm getting. It's tough because I want. I was about to say what I'm getting out of this is that like if you know if you're one of like these teams like San Diego, Houston, and New York. If you're giving up a barrel ball, it's going for a home run. But these are raw home run numbers, not rate home run numbers. So the fact that the um, those three, in order, San Diego, Houston, and and New York Yankees, are given up um, respectively 104, 104, 103 home runs, which isn't anywhere near the top of this list, given that Baltimore is just so far and away, but is still um, seven, eight, and nine on this list is uh, oh, kind of surprising. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Like, I guess I field I'm most size? surprised by the Astros just because their pitching is so fucking dominant, game in, game out. Um, I that might be like a park thing, but I don't know. I have to think. I have to think this might be a park thing because um, uh, the Astros ballpark is relatively hitter friendly. Yankees, Yankees ballpark is hitter friendly. Um, and Petco is that big or small? I don't remember. Petco is what team's Petco? Uh, Padres. Oh, uh, I think that's a hitters or a pitchers park. Oh, then that's even weirder. It's on this list. Although I guess the Padres start. have had the Padres have had a little rough go of things recently, though, especially with the series with Colorado. Even though that was in Colorado, it still was uh, the most combined runs ever for a uh, four-game series. So. And uh, it's not telling, or it's 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 it's, it's um, very telling that these ERAs are also damn near identical. We do have a little bit of movement once again, but our top ERAs in terms of worst ERAs is Baltimore with a five point six eight team ERA, um, Seattle with a five point three four, Chicago White Sox with a five point two nine. Pittsburgh now enters the list at 5.12. Kansas City now enters this list at 5.07. Los Angeles, Cincinnati, Texas, Detroit, and Toronto wrap up the top 10. So Petco Park is rated as the second most pitcher-friendly park in baseball. What's first most? Dodger Stadium? Um, It only goes to 29, so I don't know. Oh. Never mind. I don't know. No, there's 30 ballparks. Yeah, I know. I was thinking, like, does a team share it with another team? But no. no. I don't know why it only goes to 29. That is Well, I guess I could ask you which one isn't listed, but that sounds like a chore to keep track of. But anyway, so here's a, here's ERA as compared to barrel balls. And you'll once again see that it's pretty fucking obvious as the barrel balls percent of your total pitches goes up 
as does your ERA. Not as visible there of what the trend line is, but it's very simple to make out. Yeah, it's it's right there. So uh, then I thought of just doing a fun one. Um, this is this is very stupid. Are you ready? Uh, yes. Should I, I lean over and look, or should I stay surprised? Yeah, I stayed a little bit surprised. I wanted to look at pitchers hitting a little bit. Pitchers hitting. Pitchers hitting. Um, so 2018 National League pitcher hitting because I wanted a lot of data. Okay. How many hits? <laughs> How many hits do you think National League pitchers got last season? I want to say it's going to end up being like 150. Okay, so it's way more than that. Okay. Yeah. Um, if I had to take a second guess, 350. It's still more than that. Really? Yeah, yeah, you're really shortchanging. You're shortchanging what is the worst offensive position in baseball, and that's pretty impressive. Yeah, like I just the amount of times, like I, it's hard to me for me to look and see any more than like maybe a hit per series for pitchers, just because they're f- fucking useless. Yeah, um, they well, there's 445 hits last season by NL pitchers. Okay. Um, I don't have many, their... Do you know how many hits total for last year? For last year? Oh, dude, so many. Thousands. I'm going to look it up. Like, literally thousands. I'm looking it up. So, I, I I was... Really wasn't sure what I was looking for on this, although I did end up finding something that um I've often heard, but I guess now I get to confirm, is that I'd always... like the The, the rhetoric has always been amongst pitchers I hear talk about this kind of stuff, is that when you're a pitcher pitching, facing a pitcher batting... The courteous thing to do is just throw fastballs because you know that the pitcher hitting ain't going to be able to hit it anyway. And it's, you know, one of your most basic throwing motions. So it's like not a lot of stress on you. You have to throw your hardest right. fastball. Like it's your most natural throwing motion. And so now I got to see kind of like uh, how that goes. I guess it just in terms of hits. So right, before we go into that. I want you to guess how many hits there were to- in total in baseball last year. 9,000. No. Tell me. 42,215. See, as I'm saying, it was yeah. so, it was so much. Damn, that's like 0.01% of total hits. Yeah, no pitchers are really bad at hitting. What was it? 445. 445. Divided by 42, I don't know, it was like 215, something like that. Yep, point zero one zero five percent. Uh, one point zero five percent. But yeah. Oh God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I'm a math major. Are you? No. Okay. Um, so it's actually kind of an interesting spread of pitches that pitchers have hit, got hits on last season. Um, list of pitchers making the list. We had 16 hits on changeups last year. Interesting. 24 hits on curveballs. I'm actually more surprised that there was was there less for changeups than curveballs? Yes. That's weird. I would think that would be very drastically the opposite. Uh give me a second cuz yeah, yeah, you're going yeah, yeah, you're going to yeah, yeah. hear in, a, in a, yeah. Uh one pitch hit on an Ephus, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> If the pitcher wasn't uh, Zach Greinke, I'm going to be upset. It probably was. Like it, yeah. it's got, So for anyone oh, who God. doesn't know, an EFIS is you didn't try. 
the ethos is like you just kind of like it's chucked the ball. It goes like 50, 60 miles an hour tops. It's not a curveball, even though it has this big loop. It's literally the idea is that it's so bad it throws the batter off, and they don't know how to handle like the extra time and the fact it's just kind of lobbed in there. I wouldn't say it's a bad like it's drastically the a bad pitch. It's, it's meant just, to it's be a, a bad slow pitch. pitch. No, it's meant to be a bad pitch. But like if it's a bad pitch, it's gonna go anywhere. It's still accurate. It's still in the strike zone. It's still. No, over I wouldn't. The plate. I wouldn't. I would disagree because I think lots of good pitches leave the strike zone. And some would say that's the point of some good pitches. Yeah, the EFIS is meant. To, when I say bad pitch, it's it doesn't move in any fancy way. Even the knuckleball moves in a fancy way. I mean, it's like still it, a, it's an arc, but it's not like a tight break or anything. That's what I'm saying. It's not a pitch. It's a throw. You know, right. it's not a good. It's a. I, a, I see where you're yeah, coming from. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a. It doesn't take skill when you're playing catch in the backyard. We throw. We're ephises. all throwing EFISes. Yeah. Yeah. It got its name because uh, someone threw one in a game, and this dude said, someone asked him, um, I forget all the names and all my stories, but someone asked him, like, what kind of pitch was that you threw to that banner? And the guy said, that's an ephus. And he goes, and the guy was like, what's an ephus? And he goes, it ain't shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that pitch ain't shit. Uh, 20 hits off of cutters, two hits off of splitters, 62 hits off of two-seam fastballs. Invented by a Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher. Yeah. Yep. Uh, seven hits off of knuckle curveballs, 45 hits off of sinkers, 51 hits off of sliders, and 214 hits off of four-seam fastballs. Huh. Those numbers are surprising for sure. Well, that kind of falls in line with the... Yeah. with the um. Anecdotes I've always heard that accounts for forty-eight percent of total pitches hit. Um, the only other pitches um, that break ten percent are the two-seam fastballs, which are right. still a fastball, sinkers, which are still a fastball, and sliders, which is the only, I guess you can call breaking ball on this um, this list. I mean, I would be totally fine grouping together all of the four-seam, two-seam, and sinkers together, just as arguably like fastballs. And yeah. still, like, that's what, 60%, 70%? Yeah, if you add them all together, well, think, let's look at the ones that aren't fastballs. We have the knuckle curve, which is not a fastball. Um, we have the EFIS and the curveball that aren't fastballs. And the changeup is an off-speed pitch that's thrown like a fastball. So, yeah, yeah, these are, it's just a lot of fastballs, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, and it's like, oh, you, you know, if you, switch it up with pitchers more often you know they're not going to be able to vary their swing speeds and all that and be able to hit it but at the same time it's why do you care it's you know unless it's like thor madison Bumgarner, or max scherzer why even put any thought into what you throw pitchers the hardest hit ball by a pitcher last season oh fuck me how hard um i'm gonna say it was like 95 110.5 110.5 miles an hour. Oh, God. Was it Thor or... No. no was it Max You're not going to get this. No? Okay. Jeffrey Rodriguez. The fuck? Jeffrey Rodriguez. Yep. Wow. It was a single. It was a ground ball. It had a negative 18 launch angle. Negative and, 18. Yep. Went, went straight down. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Jeffrey uh, Rodriguez. Yep. 
we as we all would have predicted. Do you have breakdowns of like home runs, triples, doubles, stuff like that? Oh, um, yeah. Let's see uh, what happened here. Uh, let's look at well, let's look at home runs. Oh, there's, no, there's a not a lot. Very count. There are 16. Uh, Miles Michaelis hit one. Zach Eflin, AJ Cole, uh, Cole Hamels, Clayton Richard. Richard. I always want to say Richard. Herman Marquez, Carlos Martinez, Miles Michaelis again. John Gant, Steve Mar- Stephen Matz, John Lester, Anthony Descalfini, Descalfani, um, Jake Arrieta, John Gant again, Julio Tehran, and, and Stephen Matz again. again. Yeah. We jinxed. Yeah, we should. We should. Yeah. There's been a, there's a decent I, number, a little can, bit of hits can there. Can you look up triples? I don't think there were any. Oh, it's on here. Was there a triple hit by a pitcher last season? Oh, Three. Ranger Suarez. Don't know who that is. Danielle Ponce de Leon. Don't know him. And Tanner Roark are now. Uh, Ponce de Leon uh, pitches for the Cardinals now. I can't believe these launch speeds. He's the guy that got hit in the head. Oh, he's that guy. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Hit a triple, though, so he's got that going for him. Listen to these triple speeds, Which is though. nice. Uh, Ranger Suarez's triple was hit 90.7 miles an hour. Smoker. All right. Daniel Ponce de Leon's hit triple, 78.1. Yeah, okay, that's some errors in there. Tanner Roark's triple, 67.3 miles per hour off the bat. Gee. How do Thanks you get a triple? trying, pal. <laughs> I, I, there must have been some wheels involved in this. Yeah, for yikes. So, how many hits do you think American League pitchers got last season? I'll go back to my 150 count. Okay, what's funny is that it's now actually astronomically higher than it is. Really? 28. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess I want to know how many of them were pinch hits just for like extra innings when they needed pitchers to hit. Yeah, well, uh, you're probably you're definitely right about that because it's actually funny because uh, Jay Happ actually pinched it for the Yankees this season mm-hmm. because they needed a guy to lay down a bunt and they were in a National League ballpark so they pinch hit Jay Happ which is hysterical. They did that with uh, Jack Flaherty last week. Yeah. Or yeah, this past week. Yeah, so I'm sure I'm sure it happened. There was a, there was I've a, seen Max Scherzer get a pinch hit RBI. So, like, it definitely yeah. happens. So, on this Flaherty one, um, someone hit, like, a, a double, and he was on first, and they send him to run home from third, and the ball was at the plate roughly 15 feet before he got there. Nice. And he just did the most embarrassingly, like, unathletic slide into home. Mm, that's Good. Like, he came to a stop before he got to the plate. It was bad. So, who do you think has the hardest hit ball for the American League pitchers, oh. see, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even count like I did for the other one. Yeah, there was just no point. But who do you think American is the hardest hit ball? American League pitchers, um, fucking, I don't know. He leads uh, the American League in uh, pitchers' WAR this season by Baseball Reference WAR. Oh, was it um, Mike Miner? Mike Miner hit a one hundred and five point one mile per hour. Um, I think it was just a, a single. Why have been, no, double. Why have we been making fun of this man for so long? It's only you. I defended him in that episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a hilarious list because uh, the the only only four pitchers broke 100 miles per hour on their on their hits last season in the American League. Mike Miner, Heath Fillmeyer. No idea who that is. Not a clue. Brian Johnson, um, who I'm not sure is still in the league. 
And Sam Gaviglio. Yeah, I don't know those people. Sam Gaviglio is with the Blue Jays. That's the only reason okay. I know who he is. Uh, three doubles and a single. Yeah, ain't that some shit? That's some wild shit, man. Yeah, the pitcher Fuck who's the DH. Am I right? Pitcher with the most hits in the American League last year. Who do you got? Can, what was that? American League pitchers with the most hits last year. Um. Uh, fucking. I don't know. Rick Porcello. Why? Because I, I, if I recall correctly, they had a series. I want to say in. It wasn't. Couldn't have been in San Diego because they played San Diego this season. Um, but it, there was one National League series in there somewhere where Porcello just cleaned house. Really? Like, oh yeah, like he went like three for four that day. It was insane. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, they uh, they have the hit. They have the dates on here. There's a. Oh no! It's actually Fuck three completely different games. I was full of shit, but yeah, he uh, way he did go, it. Josh, way to go! I lied. And uh, what else is new? Ain't nothing y'all y'all bitches can do about it. You're right. We could do literally nothing. Yeah, I know it. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. What else do you want to talk about? <laughs> um. Oh, I have something. Okay. I, ha- I have another thing. I was looking at um out of the zone strikeouts for batters, and um. Just curious as to what it looked like. Right. I don't really this uh, have anything for this, but so I'm looking at strikeouts <laughs> on pitches out of the zone. Okay. These and, are four pitchers, correct? Huh? Like, are these pitchers? No, batters who struck out. Okay. From out of the out of the zone pitches. Okay. Gotcha. So there was there was uh, just for setting up for the audience. There's, there's two strikes on, and the batter gets called or is out on strike somehow. Right. Out of all these attempts, I'm going to do a, a quick sum and a... Uh, oh, I that, did that in the wrong spot. Anyway, um, out of... I'm trying to type this with one hand. <laughs> 9,554 strikeouts on um, two strikes out of the zone. Uh, 967 of them were called. 18 were foul bunts, which I have to assume is pitchers. Um, 433 are actually foul tips. That's probably, um, foul tips that went straight back into the catcher's glove, which basically is just a swinging strike three in my mind. Um, 11 missed bunts, which I'm assuming means that they were squared up for a bunt and then didn't actually go for the bunt and then got called out on strikes, which seems exceedingly specific, but. And also hilarious. Yes, very much. I can't imagine squaring for a bunt on, on with two strikes on, which means if you don't make it, it is strike three, and then not even trying to bunt, and then getting called out on strikes. That is fucking amazing. Uh, and then swinging strikes, 8,125, making up for 85.04% of all strikeouts on pitches out of the zone. <laughs> which is fucking fantastic. Now, if you think about it, that makes sense. Because the fact, the fact that ten point twelve percent of strikeouts on balls out of the zone were called, think about that for a second. It was out of the zone, and a called strike three. But you also have to remember, there's a big caveat here. This isn't what is recorded on like the little box on the screen of where it should have been and what it should have been called. It's what was actually called. So I'm assuming almost all of them were either on the corner or in the zone 
and then the ump just fucking sucks. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, the ump, the ump, completely. There okay. have been. I thought you were blaming the batters for all no. this taking a bunch of pitches. No, no, no. I'm blaming the okay. umps. Yeah, I'm no, blaming no, the no. fact. I'm blaming the umps for the, the fact that there's so far this season 967 not called strikes out of the zone, strikeout called strikeouts out of the zone. Did you see the video on Reddit today of a little league umpire uh, ejecting a catcher for complaining about a strike call that was very clearly a ball? No, but can I, Even, can I tell you my worst experience when I played little league? All right, you as tell a that. Catcher? I'm gonna look up this video. Actually, I wasn't. I wasn't um, catching. I was batting. I was uh, played catcher because I was a cool kid. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I was batting, and the pitcher threw the ball like in like well in front, like two feet in front of the plate, just spiked it, and it bounced up into the catcher's mitt, and my our. My home plate ump called it a strike. And I looked bad at it, back at him and said, it hit the dirt. And he looks at me and he goes, and he shrugs and he goes, you still could have hit it. And I'm like, but it, but it hit the dirt. <laughs> and so later that at bat, I get a hit because I was really good at baseball. That's not true. Of course. Um, and I, I go over to first base and I'm talking to the first baseman because, you know, it's little league. It's all the, just kids from around your neighborhood. And I remember looking at him and I was like, this ump is terrible. The first baseman looks at me and goes, that's my dad. <laughs> and I was just like, ooh. <laughs> I'm going to not talk to you anymore. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I guess the, it makes sense that, like, the vast majority are singing swinging strikes. And, like, I didn't think about that going in because they're strike outs out of the zone. So, like, why shouldn't they be string, swinging strikes? It should be, it should honestly be higher. Like, it should honestly be, like, 95% of strikeouts were sing, swinging strikes. You know, with the remaining 5% being all, like, the weird foul bunts and foul tips and missed bunts with, like, 1% being called strikes. Because, you know, I'll give you... If you tell me that umps were 99% accurate, I'll give you that. That'd be, I think that'd be enough for most fans to be okay with not having robo-umps. 99% accurate. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I would be totally... Like, 99% accurate would be so far and above any other referee or umpire in any other sport. Yeah. It would be hard to have any argument against that. And what's crazy is that, like, this is... These numbers are probably what the MLB is going to use for whenever the they have to discuss matters with the um, umpire's union because baseball savant is directly taken from StatCast, which is MLB's statistical arm. It's not like it's an independent company. Baseball savant is, but its numbers... Is, Baseball Savant is the platform that StatCast uses to give casual fans access to their data. It is 100% the MLB's official data source. So the fact that MLB basically is going to sit here and say that 10.12% of strikeouts this season on pitches out of the zone were called strikes, called out of the zone by umpires, kind of kind of damning. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um suck. That's really all we gotta say about that. Uh yeah. Umps umps do suck. Yeah, that is uh that is all there is to say. Did you see uh today ain't uh Angel Hernandez uh tried to end like tried to stop his subpoena because the MLB was like, All right, let's just show all of his performance reviews, uh call statistics, all this shit that shows that he's just a really shitty ump. 
for the un for the uninitiated, and he just goes, "Ah, no, it's fine, fam. We're good here." For the uninitiated, Angel Hernandez is well regarded as being one of the two worst umps in baseball, mm-hmm. uh, right there with with uh, CB Buckner and uh, Joe West can be put on that list too. Joe West, I don't complain about Joe West about his balls and strikes. I complain no because he doesn't ego. insert himself into the game too much usually. It's when he, shit when goes he does, bad it's noticeable, quick. but it's never usually too bad. But Angel Hernandez um, is famous for making terrible calls and being a humongous cock about it. And he's alleging that because he doesn't get a lot of like playoff games anymore or playoff series, that um, it's racism by the MLB because he is a Hispanic man and they're uh, not giving him playoff series and World Series because he is Hispanic and... I guess in reference to that, the MLB tried to pull up his uh, his performances, and uh, Angel didn't like that because that did not fit his narrative. How dare you hate me for being bad at my job? He was he was one of the umps for the uh, Yankees Red Sox series um, ALDS last season, and he had three overturned calls in one inning. Yeah, that's basically his claim to fame, other than this uh, shitty court case. He is atrocious in every way as as a as a human being, as an umpire, and as an ambassador to the sport of baseball. You can lick my nuggets. <laughs> You're not wrong. You got anything else to uh, to say about about anything we talked about today? No. Um, I just want to say I've been searching for this video for like seven minutes now, and Reddit's search function is so astronomically bad that it's impossible to find a post from today with all of the details and what subreddit it was on. So, fuck it. It's a damn shame. It is. I'm not going to give up, but... But you should. But I should, for sure. All right, let's get out of here. Peace. Oh, well, <laughs> if you want to yeah, follow no, the show early. on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And if you want to find our show notes for this episode and all previous episodes, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers.wixsite.com slash website and until Monday y'all have a good one.